Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Region-Specific Patient-Centered Strategies for Optimizing Uptake of mRNA-Based COVID-19 Vaccination. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Moderna Switzerland GmbH. Hi, my name is Jeffrey Lazarus. I'm a professor of global health at the Barcelona Institute for Global Health in Barcelona, Spain. I'd like to introduce Dr. Marat Akova, professor of infectious diseases and clinical microbiology at the Hachatepe University School of Medicine in Ankara, Turkey. Dr. Lazarus, I have two questions for you. The first one is, what progress has been made with global COVID-19 vaccination and what challenges remain? And the second one is, how can a basic understanding of how mRNA vaccines work and how they were developed and approved help address hesitancy? Global rates of COVID-19 vaccine acceptance have increased since 2021, from just over 75% in 2021 to almost 80% in 2022. That means that one in five people are still hesitant. Eastern Europe is one of the regions with lower acceptance rates. For example, in the Russian Federation, it's only 60.8%, and in Poland, 64.1%. Across all countries, vaccine hesitancy is associated with a lack of trust in COVID-19, vaccine safety and science, and skepticism about its efficacy. Hesitancy poses a major roadblock in global efforts to control the COVID-19 pandemic, especially as boosters are required for adequate protection. It's extremely important to correct disinformation and misconceptions about the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. Importantly, the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines do not use any live virus. They do not cause infection with the virus that causes COVID-19 or other viruses. They do not affect or interact with our DNA, and they absolutely do not implant a microchip. A common misconception is that mRNA vaccines are a new technology developed specifically for COVID-19. In fact, mRNA vaccines have been in use in clinical trials against other pathogens, such as Zika and influenza. Another common misconception is that mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccine approval was too fast. Approval of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine was based on a rolling review that utilized more personnel and resources than a normal review does, allowing them to reach approval faster, but without skipping any steps. To trigger an immune response, many vaccines put a weakened or inactivated germ into our bodies. In contrast, mRNA vaccines teach our cells how to make a protein that triggers an immune response inside our bodies. The mRNA from the vaccines is broken down within a few days after vaccination and discarded from the body. By using an mRNA approach, the risks accompanied with injecting the actual virus, live or attenuated, are bypassed while maximizing immunogenicity. In summary, understanding how COVID-19 vaccines were developed and approved and how they work may correct disinformation and misconceptions that contribute to vaccine hesitancy. In the next session, let's discuss the key efficacy and safety data for mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines. 
Dr. Lazarus, what have clinical trials and real-world studies shown about the efficacy, safety, and effectiveness of the mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines? Let me say a few words about the efficacy and effectiveness of the mRNA-1273 COVID-19 vaccine. It was based on phase three clinical data, which showed that two doses demonstrated about 94% efficacy in preventing the COVID-19 disease. The primary endpoint was prevention of COVID-19 illness with onset at least 14 days after the second injection in participants who had not previously been infected with SARS-CoV-2. The vaccine has also been shown to be effective in the real world, as demonstrated in many studies. Another mRNA vaccine, BNT162b2, was also approved with phase three clinical data showing that two doses resulted in approximately 95% efficacy in preventing COVID-19 illness. The first primary endpoint was the efficacy of BNT162b2 against confirmed COVID-19 with onset at least seven days after the second dose in participants who had been without serologic or virologic evidence of SARS-CoV-2 infection up to seven days after the second dose. The second primary endpoint was efficacy in participants with and participants without evidence of prior infection. Real-world studies have also demonstrated the vaccine's effectiveness. The authorized COVID-19 vaccines were evaluated in tens of thousands of participants in clinical trials and have met EMA's scientific standards for safety, efficacy, and quality. The safety of COVID-19 vaccines is continuously monitored and evaluated. The vast majority of known side effects of COVID-19 vaccines are mild and short-lived. Common localized adverse events include pain, redness, and swelling. Common systemic side effects include fatigue, fever, headache, myalgias, and arthralgias. Serious safety problems are extremely rare, and excess risk of myocarditis, pericarditis have been identified for patients aged 12 to 39 years. Cases have been generally mild, with no deaths reported. Anaphylaxis was also rare with both mRNA vaccines. A real-world study comparing the safety of mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines to influenza vaccines did not identify significant safety concerns regarding mRNA vaccination. People who already know they have an allergy to one of the components of the vaccine should not receive the vaccine. Individuals with a known history of allergic reaction to vaccines should consult with their healthcare provider before receiving the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. mRNA COVID-19 vaccines do not cause complications of pregnancy in expectant mothers or their babies and can be used safely while breastfeeding. Although immunocompromised people may not respond as well to the vaccine, there are no particular safety concerns for this population. In sum, the safety and efficacy of the mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines for the general and special populations have been demonstrated in clinical trials and confirmed in real-world studies. In the next session, Dr. Akova will discuss practical strategies for the scheduling and administration of the mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines with a special focus on Eastern Europe. Dr. Akova, what are some practical strategies for the scheduling and administration of the mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines that you found effective in your region? There are basically two different types of challenges for the mRNA COVID-19 vaccination in Eastern Europe. During the early stages of the vaccine distribution, 
The storage and the distribution of these vaccines posed some challenges. Patients had to travel to large clinics initially because smaller clinics in Eastern Europe did not have the necessary storage equipment. Well, over the years, this has changed considerably. The second point is that Eastern Europe is home to many ethnic minorities who live in segregated communities with limited access to healthcare. And additionally, the language barrier to receiving health information for some of the ethnic minorities in Eastern Europe could pose a challenge as well. There are several ways of improving rates of mRNA COVID-19 vaccination in Eastern Europe. First, one should continue to address limitations with distribution and storage, using digital technologies to provide telehealth services and to enable patients to schedule vaccination themselves might be useful. An example for using digital technologies in Turkey, for example, using a simple app in their cell phones, they could make reservations for vaccines and could ask questions about the vaccines and also could record adverse events they experienced after being vaccinated. Finally, communicating in the local language and in culturally appropriate ways to enhance trust and by this way informing patients that vaccines are effective and safe and using lay language for discussing data are significantly important. In this slide, you see the recommended vaccination schedules for the two mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines. In summary, vaccination rates in Eastern Europe will continue to improve with wider availability of storage equipment by utilizing digital technology for scheduling and by communicating in the language appropriate for local populations. In the next session, let's discuss administration of the mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines to special populations within Eastern Europe. Dr. Akova, what are some important considerations for COVID-19 vaccination in special populations in Eastern Europe? First of all, let me start with the vulnerable groups. These groups are due to high risk of infection and or harmful consequences, and they include elderly, children, immunocompromised, healthcare workers, and pregnant people. mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines are particularly appropriate for these vulnerable groups because of their immunogenicity, efficacy, and safety. In Eastern Europe, we can identify some special populations or considerations for mRNA vaccination, and they are first migrants and refugees. They usually live in conditions which are often poor with increased risk of contagion and or harmful consequences. Also, racial ethnic minorities should be considered as special high-risk groups requiring adapted, culturally appropriate approaches to care. In summary, in Eastern Europe, as elsewhere, certain groups such as pregnant women, the immunocompromised, and the elderly are especially vulnerable to COVID-19 infection and serious illness. Eastern Europe also has a substantial number of migrants and refugees who are at increased risk of infection and serious illness. mRNA-based vaccination is appropriate for these groups because of its immunogenicity, efficacy, and safety. In the next session, let's discuss optimizing uptake of mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccination through patient-centered approaches. What are some patient-centered approaches for improving uptake of the mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines that you found effective in your region, Dr. Okova? I think we should make a distinction between the vaccine hesitancy and vaccine refusal because vaccine refusal is much more difficult to handle 
So here you see the major elements of the vaccine hesitancy in Eastern Europe. The first is trust in safety and efficacy. The second is about health literacy. This is an important point because in this region, the internet might be the primary source of most of the population. Well, trust in government and medical system can pose a significant problem. And also comorbidities and particularly pregnancy may affect vaccine hesitancy in the general population. I think one of the most important ways to communicate with anyone, first to use a simple language, not scientific jargon, this will create trust. Using a motivational interviewing approach to address vaccine hesitancy is significantly important. This is a communication technique where focus is on seeking to understand a person's position without intent to influence or direct their decision. Core skills and principles might include open-ended questions which let the patient discuss their story and fears related to COVID-19 vaccines. The physician may affirm and acknowledge the patient's concerns and limitations and listening with empathy of the problems of the patient and at the end summarizing the conversation using the three to four sentences. Here are the recommendations to improve vaccination acceptance for the COVID-19 pandemic. First of all, one should listen non-judgmentally to people's concern and proactively overcome barriers to vaccination. One should again correct misleading information by sharing evidence-based information and counseling about vaccine safety, tailoring those messages and their delivery to specific subgroups of the population, regularly assessing delivery of information and services to the marginalized subgroups can work very well. And finally, utilizing a vaccine plus approach, which includes preventive measures such as improved ventilation, masking, and physical distancing are again among the useful measures. I think this last point about a vaccine plus approach is extremely important. We need to remind people that vaccines are central to ending COVID-19 as a public health threat, but we need to do more than just vaccinate. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.